0: Thoughts um, just related to just the, the sad uh, shootings that have happened over the last week and how uh, challenging that's been as the nation really has grieved from the events in Minnesota and Dallas. And Ben Watson, the author of Under Our Skin, who's also the tight end of the Baltimore Ravens, wrote that those who know the Lord would you please get on your knees with me for the next five minutes and pray for our country? This was one of the messages that he sent out following the aftermath of one of the shootings. And when I read that, I, I just thought, Amen. Amen to prayer. The, the thought that was just overwhelming flowing out from that and, and really grew in my own heart as well, is, is brothers and sisters, may we be a people who, in reaction to tragedies, that we pray first and we pray long before speaking into them. And speaking into tragedies like what took place this past week and the shooting deaths of numerous police officers and civilians, we must make sure that we measure our words and make sure that our words honor and glorify Christ and flow out from a spirit of prayer and love and humility. Lives were lost. People are grieving greatly this morning, and let us pray that the Lord this morning would comfort those who are mourning, and that people in our country would turn to the Lord Jesus during this time. Let's pray also that God would bring healing and peace and reconciliation, that He would bring about forgiveness and love, mutual compassion and humility, mutual understanding, and also that God would calm the strife and tensions and bring about peace. Would you join me in prayer together before we enter into the book of Acts? Lord, we lift up those who are mourning this morning. We ask that you would comfort those who mourn. We ask that you would draw them to your Son. Holy Spirit, we pray you would go on the move and you would actively begin to turn hearts towards you this morning, and hearts perhaps tempted to bitterness and rage. And Lord, you would just move and you would cause hearts to tenderize to your Son, and that there would be a deep work, Lord, that you would do in our nation, that you would cause, Lord, reconciliation and healing and peace, Forgiveness, love, compassion, humility, mutual understanding. And Lord, that You would calm the strife. And Lord, we ask that You bring an end to the the violence, Lord, that flows out from hatred at times, racial prejudice at times. And Lord, You would also, Lord, cause our hearts... To just give thanksgiving for all those who serve us and law enforcement and protect and safeguard us. Lord, we also just lift up all of those who are grieving and mourning, who are suffering loss and confused and bewildered. Lord, we enter into compassion for those who have been hurt unjustly. And Lord God, we ask that you would bring healing into the midst of that. You would bring faith into the midst of that. Lord, we thank you so much for the hope that we all have and that our nation has only in the gospel. Lord, we recognize the importance of the proclamation of the gospel this morning, and I pray, Lord, you would send harvesters into the field, into Dallas and Minnesota, those who are in great need this morning of understanding and those who are really suffering and and bewildered and confused. Lord, would you send messengers with the truth of the gospel into their lives so that they might truly find peace in Jesus Christ, your son? We ask for that and we ask for your blessing on our nation in the midst of this time. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is our passage of scripture this morning and The title of the message this morning is devoted together, devoted together. We're going to read Acts 2 verse 42. So if you could read along in God's word together with me. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul Again, the message title this morning is Devoted Together. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for our church family, and Lord, even as my wife Shannon and I were just commenting about how beautiful and wonderful it is during our break here at church, we hear the the, the buzz of fellowship and laughter and loved ones reunited, brothers and sisters in Christ who perhaps maybe haven't seen each other even in a couple of weeks, and reconnecting. And Lord, you have done a beautiful work here in our midst, Lord. We love you, but we also love one another in this church. God, I pray that you would bind us even more together through the power of the Holy Spirit, through your word this morning, through the proclamation of your gospel in this passage of scripture, and that you would cause our church to become even stronger in relation to our devotion to Christ and our devotion to one another. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just by way of background with this passage, this is happening here on the day of Pentecost and sort of the aftermath of the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were saved and baptized and added into the church after Peter preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ and the sufferings of Christ on the cross in the place of sinners, his resurrection from the dead for sinners and and. Many people were cut to the heart and and they repented and were baptized and they were added to the church. And the Lord was adding, we see here in this passage, it just kept flowing out from day one into the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's a beautiful picture here of the power of God in the gospel and the way he transforms people's lives and the glorious work of Christ building his church. Amen? Amen. Fireworks are wonderful. I love the moment when they are shot up from the ground and you hear it being sent up and you can follow that small glowing light and there's this anticipation that the big burst is going to happen. And when it bursts forth brightly and loudly, it inspires awe and wonder. I was experiencing that last night as I was watching the Community Day fireworks with my children and some friends in the church. And it was just wonderful to just see and hear people being dazzled by the light spectacle. But I I love that moment of anticipation when it's shot up like a rocket and hasn't yet burst because you know something's coming and you just don't know what. And that was happening here in the early church prior to Pentecost when the Lord Jesus himself said to the apostles and to the 120 gathered in the upper room, he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out, that they would be clothed with power from on high to be Christ's witnesses. And so they obeyed. They were waiting in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. And sure enough, on the day of Pentecost, the Lord followed through on His promise and the firework burst in the sky. And we see just an awesome display of power from God where tongues of fire come down and rest upon the believers and they are praising God in languages that they hadn't previously known. And, and people from all around the then known world were hearing the praises of God in their own language. And they were saying, what is happening here? And it drawed a crowd and Peter comes and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he preaches a sermon to talk about what these signs and wonders and these wonderful, powerful, awe-inspiring things were, were pointing to, and he points to that it was pointing to Jesus Christ. And the need for repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And the firework burst and the the power of God goes forth. And 3,000 people were saved and added to the church on that day. I love how fireworks burst forth and the spark goes off into the sky. But What's so wonderful about this passage is it wasn't just a rapid burst, which just dissipated into the night and then darkness kind of follows. What we see here is that the fireworks of Pentecost, with the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church, really primed a furnace and got a furnace started, which started to burn. And this furnace is called the church. This furnace has burned all the way down through church history from this time on, all the way until our present day. This furnace called the church comprised of men and women from every tribe and tongue and nation we hear about on the last day will be representatives of those who have been added to this furnace. Both Jew and Gentile called out of darkness and spiritual death is replaced with eternal life and People's lives were completely transformed by the power of God. And ever since, the Lord has, through the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16 says, has been raising people from the dead and saving sinners from the day of wrath, forgiving them of their sins, which we will celebrate later on in the service when we partake of communion together as a church family. We celebrate the broken body and shed blood of our Lord, which has atoned for all of believers in Christ's transgressions and sins. And the Lord builds His church, which gives off light and heat into this dark and cold world. When you look at the events over the last week, as Ben mentioned in the introduction, we live in a fallen world. These things are signs that we all need a Savior. Our nation needs a Savior, and the world needs a Savior. The good news, brothers and sisters, is that the church, born again and saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, is a furnace which glows and burns off light, that radiates and reflects the glory of Christ and is also heat in the midst of the coldness where individuals can come out from the coldness of this harsh world and come in and find refuge and a family from every tribe and tongue and nation and come around the foot of the cross together. No matter what your ethnicity is, to come before the throne of grace together as one. Reconciled unto God and ever increasingly experiencing the reconciliation between one another. God has been adding his people to the church, and they devote themselves to Christ. They devote themselves to one another, and the furnace fire glows hot from one generation to the next. There's times throughout church history where that furnace fire As the church has loosened its grip and let go of even the gospel of grace. Where that fire has burned down into low glowing embers. But then the Holy Spirit comes and blows on the church again. And blows it into full flame. And great revival comes forth by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this beautiful outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens again on the church. And the church reignites and burns And that fire has never gone out, brothers and sisters. We here are sitting here as representatives of that fire that the Lord lit on this first day. And one of the things we see, this could be my major point from the message today, is when the church is devoted together to Christ and to one another, powerful things happen. When the church is devoted together to Christ and to one another, powerful things happen happen. We see that what happens here in verse 40 and 41 of Acts chapter 2 is that there's a proclamation of the gospel, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And we looked at this last week where we are really called out from the world and added into the church. And it says here in verse 41, so those who received Peter's word about Christ were baptized. And those And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They were added into the church. Something concrete, something lasting happened as a result of their repentance and faith on that day. They made concrete commitments to Christ and also to the body of Christ. From the very beginning, the, the New Testament never knows anything of an isolated Christianity where individual Christians choose to follow Christ and keep the church at arm's length sometimes all their lives. No, what you see is that in the work of the gospel, there's a, a togetherness that God builds by the Holy Spirit right from the very start. You're called out of the world and you're added in to a new family. Your brothers and sisters in Christ the dividing walls of hostility that had once separated Jew from Gentile, black from white, they've been brought down and now we are united together as one in Christ. And that's the only power that can bring about that kind of reconciliation and that kind of mutual devotion and togetherness is the gospel. It happens and it's powerful and it's glorious and they're added, but there's, there's not just this momentary we're gathering together as a crowd and then we're dispersing. It's not just this firework explosion that dissipates and then there's nothing that then flows out from that. They were added and they devoted themselves to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, to the ongoing work of Jesus Christ building His church. And so must we do. We are called To be a devoted people. We are to be characterized, brothers and sisters in Christ, as Acts 2.42 describes the early church as a people devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This word devoted in the originals is actually a very deep word. I think you guys would be blessed by this. I was really moved in my study. Devoted means steadfastly continuing. Perseveringly. Not just this momentary, I repent, I believe, I walk an aisle, I'm saved, and then I'm off on my own. No, there's there's this devotion, there's this persistence, there's this perseveringly, steadfastly continuing in the faith. Persistence is another sense of the word. It means, this word, devotion, to continue to do something with intense effort. To continue to do something with intense effort. It's powerful. It means... Consistently showing strength which prevails in spite of difficulties, in spite of persecutions which are shortly to come into the life of the church. It means to endure, to remain firm, to not just start well, but to strive to finish well. It means staying in a fixed direction to continue to do something with intense effort in the midst of difficulty. Trials. To be earnest towards a thing. To be earnest in our commitment to be constantly diligent. To continue. It speaks to a real steadfastness of purpose. A, not just a, a quick sprint, but a long-term commitment to truly be steadfastly continuing in these things. One of the things you see in the parable of the sower is that there are many who come to Jesus and they hear the word of God taught and they receive the word with joy kind of in a moment. But then after a while, because they have no root in themselves, they quickly fade away. But this early church here is marked by not only do they have a moment of brothers, what shall we do and being cut to the heart, repenting and being baptized and then walking away and walking in isolation they actually bind together, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And they set for us, Christ Community Church, a pattern that we are called by God to follow. To be steadfastly continuing, perseveringly in the faith once for all, delivered to the saints. During the Revolutionary War, there were dramatic moments of victory. And there were also dramatic moments of defeat. But one of the things that I learned when I was reading a biography on the life of George Washington not too long ago was that one of the untold stories of the American victory in that war and the surrender of the British, finally, was the persevering nature of the Continental Army. It maintained a persistent commitment to endure that wore the British down over time. And eventually, England just felt like they could not invest any more to overcome the Continental Army, because they had already invested so much and spent so much blood over trying to preserve the colony that they felt like we just cannot continue on. They've worn us down. That steadfastness of purpose that wins the battle, is the sort of sense you get here in 42 with the word devoted. It's it's a steadfastness that endures and continues on. It's not just a flash in the pan, oh, I'll follow Jesus, but it's a deep, having counted the cost of following Jesus in the midst of a culture that is against Jesus to say, I will follow him, I will be publicly baptized, I will identify with Christ publicly, and I sign up to follow Jesus and to be identified with Jesus, even at the expense of my very life. That steadfastness of purpose that I mentioned a moment ago with the Revolutionary War flowed out actually from the original document, the Declaration of Independence. One of the things my wife and family love is we love the movie John Adams. And many of you do as well. And one of the scenes that really affects me is when Abigail Adams is actually reading for the first time to her children the Declaration of Independence. And one of the lines that always affects me is at the end of the Declaration of Independence. It says this, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Those are the final phrases of the Declaration of Independence. There was a commitment Not just to break away from England, but they knew that it was going to cost something. They knew that not only were they just going to sign a document and then walk away and then live life as if they hadn't just made a commitment. They knew that what this war was going to require and what the building of a nation was going to require was we were going to need to pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And brothers and sisters, we hold in honor the, the men and women who held firm to these ideals. And our nation was born out from these ideals. But I pledge to us and I, I say to us that. If this is the type of firm commitment that arises out of the hearts of men and women. For a temporal country. How much more. Should we as the church pledge to one another our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor in the building of Christ's church, the eternal city, the new Jerusalem, and to the country to which we are heading? Our commitment to the new heavens and new earth and the new Jerusalem, our commitment to Christ and his church should supersede every temporal commitment that we have. By far, our devotion should reflect the eternal nature of what is being built here. When we look at the church and see Christ building it, we should have, like the founding fathers of our nation, a heart to say we pledge our lives, our fortunes, fortunes, and our sacred honor. Because, brothers and sisters, it was that devotion to the cause, that devotion to one another that won the war and secured our nation. And it will be our devotion to Christ and our devotion also to one another that will win this war and secure the ongoing advancement of the gospel, humanly speaking. Now, God's sovereign over all of those things, but we are called to radically look at these passages in the early church and not just say, wow, that was great that they did that back then. We need to look at this and say, how can we make that happen here and now? Let's see these days renewed. This type of devotion to Christ and one another that's radical and countercultural and shook the world and turned it upside down. We want to see that happen. In the movie John Adams, and in the book as well, there's a beautiful story of. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, who later became, they were friends and then they became political rivals. But then in their old age, they became close friends again and correspondence with one another. And Jefferson wrote to John Adams in his old age. And it's a fascinating story of these two men who both of them, on the 50th anniversary of the birth of our nation, July 4th, 1826, Both died. It's an amazing story in God's providence. But these two men write to one another and become very close friends. And Jefferson confides to John Adams in his old age that he says, I prefer to look back on those days when Massachusetts and Virginia lived and acted in perfect harmony. And he was lamenting the division between the states and the nation, which... Was united but also fractured by so many different things. They looked back and hearkened back and saw the way things were back then and waxed nostalgic over it. And, you know, it's very possible for us to look back on these days right after Pentecost and see the church united with this kind of fire and one accord and clinging to the gospel of grace together and to long for that and to say, sort of in our hearts, ah, it's so nice it happened here, but we can never hope for such devotion again. Brothers and sisters, our local church can be a little picture of the same exact beauty that we see here. Certainly what God did at Pentecost was unique and special in the bringing forth and birthing of this glorious work under the new covenant. But we are called to walk in the same devotion and in the same commitments and to be a people devoted likewise to what the brothers and sisters in the early church were devoted to. You look here in the passage, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Just a word on that briefly in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1-6. through The Apostle Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. You see this emphasis again on we are saved, and God's got us by his grace, but an emphasis in verse 2 of the call for us as believers to hold fast, to persevere in the word that... Paul preached to us, or the apostles' doctrine, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received. And here's the glorious good news that we cherish so much in our church, Christ community. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Amen? That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas... And then to the twelve. He died. He was buried. And he rose again from the grave. And brothers and sisters, the gospel is the doctrine, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 says, is the doctrine of first importance. We must keep the gospel. And as Acts 2:42 talks about the apostles teaching. That's a word that speaks to sound doctrine and especially in relation to the doctrine of the gospel of grace. We must hold fast. We must guard it together. It's the job not only of the elders but also of the congregation to see to it that we are holding the gospel of grace clearly. We are as Paul said to Timothy called to guard the good deposit, to make sure that what we pass on to the next generation is the perfect, pure gospel of grace, that Christ died on the cross for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, brothers and sisters. And we must not move away from that which is of first importance. We must be committed to the apostles' teaching in an ongoing way. And let us never tire. Let us never grow slack in our excitement about the gospel of grace. When we celebrate communion like we will at the end of the service today, these are special times of remembrance of our Savior whose body was broken and his blood was shed to atone for our sins and save and rescue us from the eternity in hell that every one of us would have gone to had Christ not died and saved us. We should never tire. We should never grow dull in relation to the hearing of the apostles' teaching. We here at Christ Community, as pastors, are committed to preaching the Word of God to you and not our own burdens. We desire for you to be built, and all of us to be built, upon the Word of God. In other words, the apostles' teaching. And it continues to go forth and build powerfully, Christ's church, as the Word goes forth. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. So we must devote ourselves continuously, steadfastly to the apostles teaching. We must not tire of going to church and hearing the word of God taught, going to care group and being reminded of the gospel being proclaimed to us. We need to be reminded in in order for us to continue to hold fast and hold firm. We are called to be devoted in an ongoing way to the apostles teaching. I pray. We talk about this a lot as pastors. I'm, you know, I'm realizing right now these are the years where we're younger and I'm realizing, you know, I want to, I got vision. If God gives me life to live into my 80s and 90s, I want to be the old man in the back with the cane just cheering everybody on in the gospel and like, yeah, preach it. <laughs> I want to be just as excited about the apostles' teaching being built into my life and being built into our church, whether I'm preaching it or not. And I want that commitment to need teaching. Oh, brothers and sisters, if there's ever a time in our Christian lives where we fade from our hunger, from hearing the preached word, we need to diagnose our souls and recognize that's not a good condition to sit in long term. We need to come together as the family of God and hear the public proclamation of God's word in flesh with one another and be bound together by the spirit like God does And the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings in our gatherings. Certainly it blesses us when we hear teaching from all over. But there's something about our church and coming together as a body. and, and, And looking what Christ is building here in a beautiful, wonderful, local expression of his grace. And we celebrate where that's happening all over Berks County and other gospel preaching churches and all over the world as well. But there's something beautiful and there's, there's nothing wrong with getting excited about what God's doing here and throwing our backs into it, pushing the plow into the same direction with one another to see the Lord use us as a body to reach the lost in our area and beyond. We must remain devoted to fellowship. This word koinonia speaks to a sharing and a communion, a participation with one another that runs deep. Let our koinonia here not run shallow, but run deep. May we participate with one another in this work. May we be devoted to one another in helping each other in our relationships with God, sharing with one another our personal relationship with God, sharing with one another the the burdens that we're carrying in our life that we're walking in and living in. We're not meant to go solo. We are meant to have brothers and sisters around us to carry our burdens and for us to be able to carry theirs and to be the biggest blessing we can be. We're going to be talking more about fellowship as we head further into this series, and I'm excited about that. So I'm going to move on to the breaking of bread. And that relates to what we're participating in this morning. This relates to feasts and gathering of fellowship. Like when we gather together and have dinner with one another. And enjoy fellowship with one another. But it also speaks to communion and the Lord's Supper. The two ordinances of the church and baptism and the Lord's Supper. Are things that we are to cherish as commands from Jesus to to do these things. To do them in remembrance of me, Jesus said, about communion. And to baptize to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing. Jesus commands us to go preaching the gospel and baptizing. These ordinances are direct commands from the Lord, and we should hold them as dear to our hearts at the beginning of our salvation and all the way through to the end. We're meant to be devoted or steadfastly continuing in the breaking of bread with one another. That speaks to a gathering together and sharing communion with one another, and you just cannot break bread with one another over Facebook. And we really have to guard against this, brothers and sisters, in our generation today. Social media is a wonderful blessing, and I think it actually really enhances fellowship and and increases it when it's walked in well by a believer. But you guys would all agree, we know this happening in the lives of some where where Facebook becomes sort of an alternative community where instead of really actively plugging into your local church and being committed to the apostles teaching with one another and to the fellowship where you can actually lay hands on one another and have individuals lay hands on you to pray for you and to gather together and break bread with one another, all of that starts to subtly over time get replaced with the online community where we can have mutual encouragement, but we just cannot have what Scripture prioritizes here as the physical presence and communion of the saints, which is so dear and is such a value all the way throughout the New Testament. So enjoy, by all means, social media. I thank God for Facebook and other venues like that that enhance and increase fellowship, but it should never be a substitute for deep, rich, local church fellowship. It should be an add-on in addition to a vibrant community, face-to-face, being able to lay hands on one another, being able to share and break bread with one another. And we must not slowly over time begin to pull away from the deep fellowship and communion that the early church had here. We're called to devote ourselves to it. And remember what devotion means. It means to steadfastly continue in it. The early church steadfastly continued in the breaking of bread and also in the prayers. Gathering together to pray, to seek God together in the temple and also in house to house. We're going to focus on just those four features this morning. They speak to a devotion to Jesus Christ and also a devotion to one another. And we'll hit some more of the Acts two forty two through 47 passage in the coming weeks. But I want to hit those to start because I think it's something that we need to really reckon with, brothers and sisters, as we look at this. The early church experienced this as well. It's one thing to start out well. It's another thing to finish well. And we are interested here as your pastors. We want all of you to start out well. I want all of us, and I want to give thanks to God for how we have started out well. Those of you who have repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, and even your very presence here today speaks to a devotion, Church, you are a very devoted people. This is a message meant to spur us on even further. But I just thank God for your devotion. I thank God for your commitment to Christ and to our church. Our church family is such a rich, vibrant community because of you. But these beautiful days of Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost will soon later in Acts chapter 6 be replaced with disputes over the widows and their daily distribution of food. That also happens in the church. And you know what I think happens? Many of us who have been running the race for many years and living life in the local church for many years, you start to see, because as Ben mentioned earlier, we're still in a fallen world, and we all still, even as the the body of Christ, as beautiful as we are, we still have remaining indwelling sin, and there's difficulties that arise in church life. There's disputes that arise. And the early church ran into this not too long after these moments. And I think what can happen is we start to get just sick of that racket when it happens. Some of you have had bad church experiences in your past and you start to just become wary. You want to experience the beauty of Acts 2, but you're just kind of sick of the dynamics of the challenges of Acts 6. Maybe some of you have been burned by church leaders in the past or burned by church members. Some of you might have challenges with church members even here in our midst here. Church, we should not be surprised by these things. Nor should we be put off. We should never allow the challenges that we face in the remaining times in this fallen world to hinder us from our devotion to the beautiful church of Jesus Christ, we must not allow apathy to set in where we just sort of get sick of it all and start to pull away and start to hold people at arm's length and just we start to move into self protection mode rather than engage with my brothers and sisters mode. And we start to become weary in well doing and our devotion starts to flag. We need to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to increase. Our devotion that we might be steadfastly continuing in the faith once for all delivered to the saints. We are called to hold on and not just start well, but to finish well. And church, as the years go on, I'm finding this. The temptations to start to wane in your zeal, in your devotion, can start to set in. Marriage difficulties and hardships dealing with people's sins and people letting you down can start to get your eyes off of Christ and what He's done for you on the cross and all the things that have been very painful about your life horizontally start to affect your vertical commitments. We must not allow that to happen. Being steadfast is fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ and committing ourselves to say, Jesus, no matter what, no matter what you ever do, no matter what you ever ordain for my life, no matter what pains you call me to go through, no matter what griefs you call me to bear, I am going to the house of God and I'm going to remain committed to the people of God. It's a lot easier said than done, though, isn't it, church? We've seen dear, precious brothers and sisters begin to fade. Church, I think it's to God's glory when a a bruised and battered church body that have been together for many years and have worked through a lot of hard and challenging dynamics continue to stay devoted to one another. What a witness. That is, to the world around us, especially in our generation where commitments and devotion are at such a lack. To see people actually work through their challenges and stay loving one another and stay committed to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship together and to the breaking of bread and the prayers together, having worked through challenges. Oh, brothers and sisters, that's a great testimony. I was talking with two different men in our church who have run marathons. And it's interesting because it's almost the same story that I heard from from these two men. They were talking about the 20-mile mark of a marathon. Marathon being 26.2 miles. The Christian life is like a marathon not a sprint. One brother in our church was talking about how he was flying along fine for really the first 20 miles was just doing very well and and actually this marathon was actually at the battlefield of Gettysburg and if you're familiar with Gettysburg you might be aware of Little Round Top. Well, the 20-mile mark of this marathon was climbing Little Round Top. I thought, man, what a what a parallel. Start off in our race just filled with zeal and running and even clicking along at a great clip and filled with devotion, filled with zeal and running our race well, but then all of a sudden we face the adversity that Jesus promises us we're going to have trouble. We're going to have trials and hardship in the race and we hit the, the little round top mark of the marathon in our Christian lives. I was so inspired by this gentleman's story though because what he said to me, was that he got to the top of the hill and he felt like he just died, really. I mean, just in terms of being able to continue running the race. And he shared the story about how for the last six miles, he walked it. So often the stories of triumph and victory that we hear are the individuals who come across the finish line racing at full speed and taking the prize and beating everybody else and and crossing over at top speed. Brothers and sisters, I think it's a glorious testimony of God's grace when Christians who have been on the road for a long time following Jesus come to that breaking point where they're tempted to give up and to give up devotion to Christ and to one another, to give up devotion to Christ and his church, and they say, you know what? Now. No, it's not going to happen. If I need to walk the last six miles, I'm going to stay in this race. My wife Shannon's been just encouraging me lately. Just She, she reminded me that in running the race, one of the things, and I remember this from my years running cross-country back in high school, one of the things we really dreaded was to get to a point where, and sometimes it happened due to injury and stuff, and it was... Honorable. Just you had to pull out of a race, and what gets marked on your sheet is DNF or did not finish. That's what every runner kind of dreads. They don't want DNF on the race card. Whether you pull out at mile one or you pull out at mile 26.1, point one away from the finish, the result is still the same DNF. And, brothers and sisters, we need to have the type of motivation in our soul like we see in Acts chapter 2.42 to say, you know what, I'm committing myself in a fresh way this morning. I'm going to devote myself to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And I am not going to give up all the way until I cross the finish line. I am not going to retire from this. I want to finish well. I don't want to just start well. I want to finish well. And, brothers and sisters, if we are going to do that, we have got to recognize the importance of that word devoted. Steadfastly, continuously persevering in the faith. We've got to be the type of believers to get to the 20 mile mark and say, even if I got to crawl. I'm going to continue to stay on the path of trusting and obeying my Lord and the path of obeying and following him. Oh, yes, indeed, as we age, our bodies are going to wear down and there's things that we could do when we were younger. There were speeds that we could achieve when we were younger that we won't be able to achieve when we're older. But even if the time comes into the future where physically I'm a a shut-in, I can't even get to church on Sunday mornings, I still want to in some way remain devoted to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking bread and the prayers of my local church in some way. I want to do all I can to be devoted to cross the finish line. And I want to say this, it's not because I'm a pastor. Every one of us should have a passion to be devoted to Christ and his church because we're Christians. To hold firm to Christ and to hold fast to one another in the bonds of fellowship and not let them be broken quickly, Because we're Christians. And to be the type of Christians that help one another along in the race. That keep reminding one another of the broken body and shed blood of our Lord. And at this time, I'd like to ask the ushers to go forth and begin to distribute the elements for communion to us. You guys can grab those and come right to the front and immediately start distributing. And let the rest of us, Christ Community Church, those of us who are Christians... Let's prepare our hearts for communion. If you've not repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we would ask you to refrain from partaking of communion until you do. But as the ushers are distributing, I want to share this story with you. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we started the series, one of the things that really inspires me from World War II was the 101st Airborne Division's story of Easy Company reflected in the movie Band of Brothers. And I'm so motivated by their zeal and enthusiasm to fight the war in the beginning of the war. When I was talking to a brother in our church last night, one of the things I'm so inspired by with them is that even after the Battle of the Bulge, when they were in the cold and snow and surrounded, they remained steadfast and immovable. They continued perseveringly to resist and to fight the battle, even when no ground seemed to be gained. And even in the freezing snow, when many of the people were freezing to death, they continued to hold fast their position. There's times in the Christian life where you feel like you're gaining ground. There's times elsewhere in the Christian life where you feel like you're crawling and you're barely hanging hanging on. Brothers and sisters, celebrate the fact that you're still hanging on. Celebrate, even when ground doesn't seem to be taken, that you're holding fast in the trenches by God's grace. And let us be that kind of church that bands together and that we preach the word in season and we preach the word out of season to one another and we remain committed to the gospel of grace in times where the gospel of grace and the culture is cherished and we are going to hold fast to the gospel of grace even times in the culture where the gospel is hated and Christ is hated and we bind fast to one another and remain united in one accord I'm always wondering how that type of perseverance and steadfastness was built into the men of Easy Company to survive Bastogne and continue to persevere even when they were barraged by rocket fire for so long. And there's a scene in the very beginning when the men are training that I'm always inspired by when I watch it. There's a man in the company who was disciplined for some offense and the hard, cruel taskmaster that oversaw them and was their officer would tell them really on a whim sometimes, you need to go run Curahee, three miles up, three miles down. And Curahee, as we mentioned, stands for we stand alone together. And this man who was disciplined starts right up the hill and he starts running and he's dragging his feet as he's getting further and further into this disciplinary run. And there were a couple of men in his unit that saw him struggling along and saw him being called to run that. They weren't disciplined themselves for anything, but they didn't want their comrade in arms to be alone. And so they ran the hill with him. And there's this great scene where he's running up the hill by himself and then all of a sudden two of his buddies who didn't need to run the six miles come up alongside of him. And it's a really great scene where his pace starts to quicken and his feet, which were kind of almost stumbling over themselves, began to pick up pace as now he was no longer running alone, but he was running together. Christ Community Church, when I... See illustrations like that. I think of you all. There's nobody else I'd rather be running this Christian life with than with you by my side. There's nobody else I'd rather be walking out my Christian marriage with, with my dear wife Shannon, than with you by my side and our side. We need each other. We need God, and we have God, and he's going to enable us to persevere by his grace. We are going to make it. But our binding together in devotion isn't just sort of a cherry on top. It is vital to our perseverance. I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. You are vital to my perseverance in the faith. We are vital to one another's perseverance in the faith. That's why devotion matters so much, because it's not just about you being devoted. Your devotion helps others to remain devoted. And I want to pledge all of us to be inspired by that vision because the perseverance that enabled the men of Easy Company in World War II to be surrounded in the freezing cold in Bastogne and to survive that barrage and to remain steadfast happened because in the earlier days... They bonded together in that way where they looked out and they had each other's back and they didn't want to see any of their brothers or sisters running alone. And if they did see a brother or sister running alone, we run up alongside of them. We put our arm around that sister or arm around that brother and we say, Oh, come on, let's, let's run together a little bit. Let's, 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 let's push up this hill together. Let's, you're not walking through this trial alone. You're not going to go up this hill alone. We are going to bind together and band together as brothers and sisters. And we are not going to run in isolation but we're going to run together, devoted. And church, I want to just say this to us. In the, in the midst of the importance of looking at our personal devotion to Christ and our personal devotion to one another, let us never forget this, and this is the most important thing that I'll say. The Christian life is not about our devotion to Christ but it's about Christ's devotion to us. The only reason any of us are going to make it is not because of our devotion. It's because Christ is devoted to us from first to last. He began this work in us individually, and he began this work in us as a church. And he's playing for keeps. He set his affection upon you by his grace, and he's never going to let you go. No one's going to ever be able to snatch you out of his hand. This is a grace that is going to enable you to persevere. You are going to make it because of Jesus Christ and his broken body and shed blood on the cross. Such is his pledge. Such is his commitment to save you and also promise to you, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never let you go. Brothers and sisters, let us revel and exult in the truth of the glorious gospel. And the gospel is this. Despite our many failures of devotion to God from the time we were first born and even until now. God has been perfectly devoted to us. Christ perfectly devoted himself to his father. He took on flesh and was sinless and he is our perfectly devoted to god's substitute who chose to willingly lay down his life on the cross and it's by his broken body and his substitutionary death on the cross for us and it's by his shed blood that our sins are atoned for you could never atone for your own sins through your own devotion Abandon that. That is not the gospel. The only way that our sins could have ever been atoned for is if God would have sent his son to achieve the perfect devotion that all of us lack. And then had his very son that achieved that perfect devotion to die on the cross in our place. And the good news this morning is that we are here this morning. We are saved by grace and sustained by grace. And we will ever be sustained all the way across the finish line because our glorious Savior, suffered his body to be broken and his blood to be shed in order for you and I to be saved. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Aren't you so thankful for him, church? I am as well. Matthew chapter 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. I was thinking of Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed, brothers and sisters, for our iniquities. As we partake of the bread, let us remember the broken body, the crushing of the Son of God in our place, and remember with gratefulness that he did it for us out of love. Let's partake. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Our sins are atoned for God's wrath against our sins has been satisfied all because of the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us remember. In closing, I just wish to say this. The early church and all of its devotion has borne out great fruit all the way down to our lives at this very moment. And brothers and sisters, our devotion to Christ will be greatly rewarded in heaven. Don't ever think that your devotion has been wasted or is ever wasted. We have an opportunity here to be as devoted passionately to Jesus Christ and to one another in a way that's going to bear glorious fruit in the short earthly life that we have to live, knowing that great will be our reward in heaven for our devotion. There's nothing more, nothing more important that we can live for, brothers and sisters, than this glorious cause of God, the glorious gospel of grace, and to devote ourselves to one another. Our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let us remember that as we close in prayer. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I just thank you so much for our church family, and I thank you for, right now, Mario preaching at our sister church in Cherry Hill, preaching the gospel, soon to plant a church to Croatia. He's preaching your gospel in the very church that sent us out from Reading and which will be sending, Lord willing, Mario and Jen out to Croatia. They are sort of a grand mother church to Croatia. And those individuals in Cherry Hill, they never knew that their devotion 15 years ago expressed in sending out a church plant to Reading, Pennsylvania, was going to yield 15 years from then a man coming to preach in their church who's actually going to take the gospel to Croatia. And we give you all the glory for that. Lord, it reminds us that the gospel goes forth, it breaks forth in the Beautiful streams that we could never even imagine. Help us to realize, God, that our devotion is so worth it. Lord, it is so glorious to watch you building your church. And Lord, help us to throw our backs into that labor with all of our heart. Help us to persist in this devotion. To be continuously, steadfastly, perseveringly devoted to not simply love you in the easy times and be devoted to the church in the easy times, but to be devoted to her even when things are really hard and trials set in. I pray that you would make us of this type of metal, Lord, this type of devotion. I ask God that you would pour out a grace on us as Christ's community, that we would be strong in being devoted throughout our Christian lives and that we would hold fast to the gospel of grace We would hold fast to you and we would hold fast to one another by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, church. Thanks so much for your devotion to the word of God on a warm morning here. God bless you and have a wonderful week.